0: You're listening to Health Call Live, the area's only live local interactive radio hour devoted to you and your health. Watch the video live stream on the Health Call Facebook page and call us with your questions at 447-1190 or toll free at 800-333-1190. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. And as always, I'm happy to be back in the chair with you guys Saturday mornings, hanging out here, talking about things in the news. And that's where we begin today. You know, a lot of people ask sometimes, how do you come up with these crazy topics you sometimes cover on the program? Well, often it's due to a study, a publication of new medical research, sometimes just news headlines. And that is where we are today. Earlier this month, I don't know if it caught your attention, but actress Jane Fonda told the world that she's receiving chemotherapy for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Well, she's now age 85, and on Instagram she told her followers that she's not slowing down. She says this is a very treatable cancer. 80% of people survive, so I feel very lucky. Uh, So I dropped in on her Instagram, and uh, she expressed the politically correct amount of guilt about having a great health care policy because, you know, she's quite wealthy and so a little privileged. She felt guilty about that, she said, but. She also added, quote, we need to be talking much more, not about just cures, but the causes so we can eliminate them. So, for example, people need to know that fossil fuels cause cancer. So do pesticides, many of which are fossil fuel based like mine. Well, Jane. There, there is no clear-cut research indicating that non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is linked to pesticides. There is some link, according to some research, but it is not clear-cut. In fact, we don't really know what causes your white blood cells to go out of control and start reproducing like crazy. In fact, there's a lot I didn't know about this disease, so I reached out to Dr. Srinivasan Natam. He is an oncologist with Fort Wayne Medical Oncology and Hematology. He has been treating patients in this area for more than 40 years. And he says Jane Fonda's prognosis, what's ahead for her? Well, that really isn't clear because non-Hodgkin's
1: lymphoma can come in so many different forms. Well, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is a title. It's not a diagnosis. All it tells me is that a class of cancers, but that's not one disease. There are many of them. They share some common features but there are several of them are distinctly different from each other. And since since these are group of disorders, they needed to give them one title. There are two most common lymphomas. In fact, majority of the lymphomas fall into these two groups. The remaining 15 to 20 percent are other less common, like mantle cell, you know, other lymphomas. That don't occur that often. We don't know which one she had. So this is the age group where lymphomas do occur. I don't know much. Do you know anything more? I don't. So let me digest that. So essentially I have, there
0: are two main groups, sort of a black and a white, and then a bunch of different colors underneath that. And you have to know what type or what color of lymphoma I have to give me the correct treatment. I understand that now. And prognosis. And prognosis, right. I have read generally that uh, five-year survival rates are in the 50 to 70% for most of these lymphomas. So she has that to look forward to and there are lots of different treatments available we'll talk about that in just a second do we know what are the symptoms
1: of lymphoma what should I be looking out for yes I mean the usual symptoms of lymphoma is a patient uh, finds an enlarged lymph node that's the most common presentation for a lymphoma other symptoms depend on how much disease they have patients who have advanced lymphoma typically have Loss of appetite, lose weight, some specific symptoms include fevers and night sweats. And other symptoms depend on where the lymphoma is located. If it is located in the abdomen, causing pressure, abdominal pain, if it is growing in the chest, it will be shortness of breath and things like that.
0: So it sounds like I could have symptoms for quite some time before I get it figured out. Yes. If it's a low grade lymphoma. Yeah. And so
1: does that affect my outcome and the type of treatment? It doesn't for uh, low grade lymphoma. Here is why. The way we approach these indolent or slow growing versus aggressive or high grade lymphoma is 180 degrees different. Mm-hmm. Once you diagnose high grade lymphoma, you treat. There is no watch and wait, whereas for sl- slow-growing lymphoma, watch and wait is one of the approaches taken. Uh, treatment is only indicated when there are, there are patient needs to meet certain criteria for intervention. Gotcha. So then, uh, I know treatment for lymphoma has
0: come... Miles, as have for all cancers. Um, Is
1: this a disease that uh, I will go into remission with and I can live for many years? Depends on the subtype of lymphoma and your stage and your age and your performance and all other comorbidities you come up with. The higher the grade of lymphoma, more aggressive lymphomas are more curable as opposed to slow-growing this lymphomas like follicular lymphoma. If I were to ask you about the most common treatment, w- what looks most common to you? If it is a diff- the most common lymphoma, namely, diffuselized basal lymphoma, we made significant strides in this. Um, I lived through this because I have been here for 40 years although chemotherapy background has not changed in 30 odd years what has changed adding some monoclonal antibody called rituximab to the chemotherapy so with that you can say overall 60 to 70 percent of the patients with the diffuse large B cell lymphoma are cured just with chemotherapy and rituximab on the other hand the low grade lymphomas we make you live longer, but we cannot use the magical word "cure" for that. Mm-hmm. So, in my uh, the best outlook, then I, I live a long time. Am, am I going to feel okay during that process? Am I going to feel well? Well, the, the for the high-grade lymphomas, we give more intense therapy. So during that time, it is um, there are side effects, but mainly the side effects consisting of fatigue, needing to take rest, uh, unable to work for a week, but not nausea, vomiting anymore. Thanks to the invention of the new anti-nausea drugs that have happened during my time in early 90s, so nausea, vomiting is no longer a feared complication of chemotherapy. Um, The main thing uh, patients face is low blood counts, risk of infections and things like that. This would depend on your age and if you are treated before.
0: Yeah, so you led me to the next question and that was if leukemia, excuse me, lymphoma takes
1: my life, how is that likely to go? What is actually likely to cause my death? Yeah, this is a question patients frequently ask us, not only for lymphoma, other cancers. In general, You will gradually get weaker, function less, and you will be blood counts will go down. You'll be requiring transfusions, and I maybe have infections, but not pain. So it will not
0: be the lymphoma itself that takes my life. It will be the weakness and other opportunistic well, infections it is that come as along. a
1: result of the lymphoma. Right, yes. The,
0: yeah. But it will be something more acute that comes yes. along because of that. Yeah. yeah. Which I suppose is fairly common with most cancers, yes. There are some that seem to have a viral connection. Do we know more about that? This Epstein-Barr virus, I keep hearing it mentioned so often
1: in yeah. so many
0: different diseases these days. So...
1: The you know, common question I ask is, how do we get lymphomas? And generally, for all, most of the lymphomas in general, we don't know what causes. But uh, certain certain lymphomas are, are virally related. But those are not the common lymphomas, like your diffuse large lymphoma or follicular lymphoma. And if it's virus in the background, we find it in patients who had lymphoma, their EBV problems, especially elderly patients. We think there's a connection, but but it's not helpful for us to, how to avoid lymphoma by not having EBV infection. It's, a, you know, EBV infection occurs because it's also seen in patients with Hodgkin's. So. So, we'll be talking more
0: about Epstein Barr virus down the road. That's uh, lots of things are pointing back to that as a cause for many different illnesses. And so, we'll circle back and uh, I'll do some more research on that and pull that up for you in the future. That was uh, oncologist Dr. Srinivasan Natam from Fort Wayne Medical Oncology and Hematology. So, full disclosure, of course, they are a supporter of the program. But you know what? I got to tell you, even if they were not, I would feel very comfortable with Dr. Natam supervising my care. He really has seen it all in the 40 years of experience. and. The practice, their committed clinical trials, bringing the latest treatments to Fort Wayne, so that you can have access to new medications, new protocols, long before they are widely available, and it's just great that you can get that done here in a mid-sized community like Fort Wayne, not having to travel to huge university academic hospitals, that kind of things. You know. Um a few months ago, I reported on a blood test that claims to detect 50 different types of cancer and shared the results of my test. So, when we come back, a follow-up on that. Uh, there was a conference on cancer research in Europe recently. And this group, well, they heard a report about this kind of miracle blood test that checks 50 different types of cancer and whether or not it's ready for prime time. And I have that for you coming up next on the Health Co Radio Hour here on WoWo. Welcome back to Health Call Live. If you've got a question, you don't have to give blood to get the answer. Just call us at 447-1190. Okay, so a quick follow-up for you here to a report I brought you eh, back earlier this year, explaining why I'm pretty darn certain that right now there is no active cancer in my body. That's because I went into a lab and had a blood sample and sent it off to a company called Grail. They've developed a test that searches your blood for DNA that has escaped from actively growing cancer cells. And they claim the test can identify 50 different types of cancer from just one small tube of blood so If it's working, why aren't more people using it? Why aren't we talking about that as a way to find out whether or not you have cancer earlier? Well, there was discussion about that at a European oncology conference this week. And I'll explain to you why one researcher says this test probably isn't yet ready for prime time. But let me wind the clock back. Let's go back to March and play just a little bit of my interview with Megan Hall. She is the Director of Medical Communications for GRAIL, explaining a little more about how this test
2: And so what the gallery test does is it's looking for cancer-specific signals in your blood, and it's able to do that by detecting cell-free DNA, specifically methylation marks on that cell-free DNA that are shed by the tumor. And what this allows us to do is detect a common cancer signal from your blood that. Is common across a large number of cancer types. As you noted, we detect this common cancer signal from more than 50 different cancer types, including a large number of cancers that don't have a recommended screening test at all. And what that means is that patients tend to present at late stages when they have symptoms because there is no mechanism to detect these cancers early. So the gallery test can detect. A broad set of cancer types across stages. And importantly, when it detects that cancer type, it can predict where in the body that cancer signal is coming from. And that helps your physician or your healthcare provider direct your downstream diagnostic workup. The test itself is recommended for patients who are at additional risk for cancer excuse me, that could be something as simple as age. Unfortunately, age is the biggest risk factor for cancer. So, patients who are 50 years or above are at about a 13 times higher risk for developing cancer than patients of younger ages. And so, that is one example of an additional risk factor for cancer.
0: Great. So, also, I would assume family members with cancer, those types of situations are also priority patients. Uh, Just in disclosure, I um, have had this test. I know my results. We'll get to that in just a second, but I just want to let people know that uh, you and I have no relationship. I didn't get a discount. There was no promotional mention here. I contacted you after my test and was fully paid for and after the results came back just so we're all on the same page. So how accurate is this? If the test comes back and says, I don't have cancer, can I count on that for sure?
2: So let me just start by saying no screening test is perfect. Um, So it's not going to be 100% accurate in all cases. That said, this test specifically was designed to minimize the No positives that we get. And what that means is that when you get a negative result, you can be very confident in that negative result. And um, I want to emphasize that this test is meant to complement existing screening, not replace existing screening.
0: Again, that's Megan Hall. She's the director of medical communications for GRAIL, the makers of the gallery cancer screening test. That's from an interview back in March of this year, actually. And so, yes, I I did the blood sample and came back negative. So, they say there's a 99% chance that it's accurate, that there is no actively, aggressively growing cancer in my body. So, hey, that's great news. Well, just a couple of days ago, a researcher who was involved in evaluating this test in the initial Pathfinder study, as it was called. She spoke to a European Society for Medical Oncology, and she explained they tested over 6,000 people as part of the Pathfinder study. They found 92 that had a signal indicating cancer was, in fact, growing. And so, the test suggests, as you heard, what type of cancer it might be, where you go to look for it, and try to confirm is it there or not. Out of the 92 who got that warning sign, solid tumors or blood cancers were found in 35 of the 92. The test even spotted one poor woman who had two different types of cancer. She had breast and endometrial tumors. So, out of the 36 cancers the test did detect, 14 were early stage, so before any eventual screening could happen. And 26 were in types of cancer where there is no way to screen. So that's really the value of this test. It gives you early warning of cancers that there would be just no other way you would spot them. So, if you get a green light on the test, like I did, 99% chance you're cancer-free, so great. But if you do get a cancer signal, as they call it, a 38% chance that, yeah, there's a cancer there and something is going on. So then with all of that behind us, why did Deb Schrag, a senior researcher at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York, why did she tell a European Society for Medical Oncology just last week the test isn't ready for prime time and it's not fit for large scale testing? Well Dr. Schrag says it's a cost factor. For one, it's about a thousand dollars to do that test right now. And yes the cost will come down, but Eventually, uh, it's still going to be a very high cost if insurance companies and others start to pay for it, Medicare, for example. And then there's not only the cost, but the manpower. So you get all these test results come back, and they may be a sign of cancer. Then what? Well, then you go on to several months of testing to try to nail it down and find out, is that test really accurate. So it could be MRI, CT scans, blood scans, all that stuff. And if hundreds of thousands of people get not the red light, but the yellow light saying, yeah, there's something going on, but only 38% really do have cancer, think about that demand on the healthcare system and all the cost of trying to chase it down and figure out where is that cancer. And the test, it's just a snapshot in time. If you may not have cancer now, great, but that doesn't mean something won't go wrong Next month or next year. So, this company is recommending you have a test every year. Well, at a thousand bucks a drop, you can imagine the cost issue there. So, tough questions all the way around. You have an effective test here that does seem to work, but is it right for society? Well, maybe not. And that's really one of the tough questions we're getting to in healthcare. As technology improves, where does it fit in in the big picture, and can we as a society afford it? If you're fortunate enough to be able to cut the check, well, good for you, but what about the rest of everybody else? England's national healthcare system is really curious about this. And they're taking a look at a large scale. So now they're checking they, they, they're putting 165,000 people in England through this process, through the gallery test, to try to figure out what are the real numbers when you blow it up like a big balloon and look at it that way. They're going to report their findings next year. And, and of course you can bet I'll let you know what that is when it comes out. But really, we're going to be seeing more and more of these tests to try and spot cancer coming to market. And I found another one this week. It's a test from a company called Viome. It's an in-home test that uses saliva to detect oral and throat cancers. You take a small tube, fill it with saliva, and in just a few weeks after you mail it off, the Viome Life Sciences uh, Company says their artificial intelligence looks through all of the information in the DNA you've sent them, and they can detect oral cancers with 90% specificity. Well, oral and throat cancers are notoriously difficult to detect early on when it's well-treated. It goes on to be undiagnosed, and then it gets to an advanced stage, And because there just really aren't any diagnostic tools by the time you find it. There can be very low survival rates. So, again, another example of how one of these tests can fill a gap right now in our screening. You might think if you've never smoked, you got nothing to worry about with oral cancer. But there is growing evidence this form of cancer is caused by a virus. And that a huge percentage of us, if you're sexually active, you probably have this virus in your body. So, again, we come back to that issue of cost and effectiveness. And at $350, bucks. This test, much more affordable than the gallery test, but still um, something that we have to face as an idea and how we want to use these tests going forward. Interesting stuff. I'll keep on top of it and fill you in as we know more going down the road. On the other side of the half hour, we're going to be talking with Dr. Scott Myers about a couple of things. One of them is a crisis involving sickle cell anemia and a blood shortage. And then another crisis, fentanyl. What are we doing about that and how bad is that problem? It's coming up here on the Health Co-Live Radio Hour on WOLO.